What is your life? What is your life? I know that's a big question as we kind of start off our teaching time today, but it's also a very important question. What is your life? And not surprisingly, the Bible has an answer. It asks the question and then it has an answer. One word, in the English it's just four letters, James 4.14. What is your life? You are just a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Life is short. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, you hear it all the time, despite all of our Western attempts to look young and stay young and never grow up, and despite our over-realized sense of national invincibility, the ticking clock, the graying hair, the growing children, and the changing times all remind us that life is blinkingly brief. One mention of your favorite high school CD, your favorite you know, CD in high school, one mention of that to a group of middle schoolers reveals just how much the times have changed. And not just because they probably don't know the band that you like, but more to the point because they probably don't even know what a CD is. As one person rightly noted, the days are long, and we feel that sometimes, the days are long, but the years are short. Life really does fly by, doesn't it? And I'm particularly reminded of this reality right now because in four days I am going to be the parent, the proud parent, uh, but the parent nonetheless of a teenager. I cannot believe it. It just blows my mind to think about as I think about it, it just feels like just yesterday we were bringing home this little baby girl and welcoming her into our family and now this week she's going to be a teenager. It just flies by, doesn't it? To quote the uh, words of the famous philosopher Ferris Bueller, Life's, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And so in light of that reality, today we're going to be starting a new series. And it really flows well out of what we just got through talking about in our last series. We series we called What Counts. And we really dove into what scripture has to say about what really counts but it really goes back further than that because this series that we're going to be starting today is, is one that's kind of been building up in my spirit for, for quite some time. It really started last year in the midst of all of the things going on with COVID and a lot of the things that we were learning and just kind of the, uh, the tension and the anxiousness we were feeling and, and certainly seeing how fragile life is. And it really started then and then, of course, as many of you know, uh, with everything that happened around the holidays in, in our family with my wife's sister, Wendy, passing away, it just kind of intensified everything and brought everything to, uh, to a head and all really just caused me to reflect on, on the reality of, of our mortality and the reality of my mortality. And so I've been thinking about and, and processing these things for really several months now, especially though over these last couple weeks, it's just really been processing in my mind and it's basically welled up into this series that we're going to be in for the next several weeks called Just a Mist. Just a Mist. And it has one simple aim, to motivate us to recalibrate our priorities, to line up with the consistent biblical witness regarding the brevity of our lives. Because unless you are Elvis, you are going to die. 
The Bible is very clear about this. Scripture is very clear about this. Hebrews chapter uh, 9, verse 27, the Hebrew writer says, Each person is destined to die. That is the reality. So aren't you glad you joined us for worship uh, today? But in all seriousness, I I do want us, even though I, I say those things and it does sound sad, you know, to think about those things, the reality is I want us to understand that God did not intend for this reality to be intimidating, but actually for it to be liberating for us. That in fact, there is a freedom that's going to be released when we start to line our lives up with what we're going to call missed understandings that we're going to talk about today and and really throughout this series. And so let's just dive right in. And here's the first missed understanding for us. We all have an expiration date. We all have an expiration date. From the moment we were born, we have lived in the shadow of death. And perhaps no one in Scripture understood this reality more than a man by the name of Moses. Because no one who has ever lived, perhaps, went to more funerals than Moses did. I mean, you think about his life. He had one passion, one dream, one life objective since he was a little boy. And God gave him this mission to deliver, since a young man, I should say, to deliver the people of Israel and to return them to the land of promise. That was his goal. That was his mission in life that God had given to him. And they get right to the border of this land. They're ready to go in. And then God judges this generation, Moses's generation, generation of his peers to be unfaithful and unworthy of possession of this land. And so God gives Moses this job assignment. Walk around in circles for 40 years, basically. Walk around in circles until all of your generation has died because they've been unfaithful and they've been, and they are unworthy to enter into this promised land. And so for 40 years, Moses went to funerals. Service after service, memorial after memorial, eulogy after eulogy, just watching a generation die right before his eyes. And it weighed heavy on him. And so he wrote a song, it's in our Bible, In Psalm 90, and listen to how it starts. Verse 1, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You see, God is not just some recent invention. God doesn't have a birth date. And as Moses reflected on all of these funerals, he was overwhelmed with an appreciation of the eternality of God. That God's name is, you think about the name of God, God's name is I am. Because God just is. There was never a before God, there won't be a time after God. God has always been I am. And Moses goes to all these funerals for people who were and now they aren't, but God is. And he starts to compare the eternality of God with the frailty of man. The, the infiniteness of God with the finiteness of man. And so notice what he says about us. Verse 3. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Apparently Kansas uh, had it down, right? We're all just dust in the wind. A thousand years, Moses continues, a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. 
And so when you look in Scripture for the metaphors of what our lives are like, they all emphasize brevity. Every single one of them emphasizes the brevity of life. Dust, grass, vapor, shadow, breath, mist. There's a start date and there's an end date. And relatively speaking, there's not a whole lot in between, especially compared to eternity. That dash in the middle isn't very long. Now, because in our particular culture we have more resources than most, the reality is that we tend to think about this less. We're able to purchase, purchase, purchase enough trinkets and toys and fill our calendars and schedules with enough stuff to distract our minds from the shortness of our dash. And this is common. We do it. But it's not wisdom. Uh, Eugene Peterson, who is kind of the collaborator on the, the message translation, tells a story about how he was visiting a Benedictine monastery one time and the path, one of the paths from the, the prayer place to the cafeteria where they ate uh, was, went right by a, a cemetery. And as they were walking to lunch from the, the prayer place one day, he saw an open grave. And so Eugene Peterson said to one of the monks or asked one of the monks, he said, who is that for? Who is that open grave for? And the monk said, the next one. The next one. Because every day they walk by that cemetery with the reminder that one day, one of them will be the next one. In the Jewish Talmud, people are instructed to repent before they die. The day before they die, I should say. They're instructed to repent the day before they die. Of course, that raises the question, how do you know the day before you die? Well, you don't, right? And so you live every day like it's the day before you die because you are a mist. Moses goes on to say this in verse 10. Our days come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass and we fly away. Isn't that interesting? Moses wrote this, inspired by God. Moses wrote this thousands of years ago. And he says, you're going to get 70 years, maybe 80 out of life. And yet after all of our technological advances and our studies and our medicines... How long is the average lifespan, right? 70 to 80 years. Now, if you're a young person, and I would even include my age in this to a certain extent, we have trouble connecting what I'm saying right now. We we don't live with missed understandings because the younger we are, the more we think that we are imperishable. But mark my words, your day is coming. So is mine, and I can feel it even more and more each Day. One day it's coming and it's quicker than you realize that you are going to wake up to the reality of your own mortality. One day, as one person joked, you're going to get to the point where you can hurt yourself sleeping, right? And some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, seriously, I talk to people and Marcy and I have even experienced this. I turned 40 this year and I feel it more and more uh, every single day. But, but I, I talk to people and you'd be like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, well, I kind of hurt my back or I hurt my neck. I, you know, I slept wrong, right? You, you, you get to the point where you hurt yourself sleeping. And so that's what's waiting for you, right? Young people, that's what's waiting for you. It reminds me of the story I heard about some older men who were sitting around talking and they were discussing their different aches and pains. And 
And one said, my arms are so weak, I can hardly lift this cup of coffee. I know what you mean. My cataracts are so bad, I can't even see my coffee, another replied. I can't turn my head because of the arthritis in my neck, another one remarked. My blood pressure pills make me dizzy, another one contributed. Well, I guess that's just the price we pay for getting old, winced another old man. And then there was a moment of silence, and then the last man cheerfully said, but thank God we can still drive, right? You see, we all have a birth date, and we all have an expiration date. And here's the truth. You had nothing to do with the first, right? And you really have no say in the second, or very little say in the second, and you don't know when that's going to be. But here's what you get to control. The dash. You get, you get to decide how you will spend your dash. And to spend it well, you need some missed understandings. Look at verse 12. Moses says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What you need to spend your dash well is wisdom. The wisdom that says we all need to count our days so that our days will count. Because the real tragedy is not that everyone is dying, and I'm not trying to make light of that at all, but that's really not the real tragedy. The real tragedy is that many of us are not living while we're still alive. You see, I think it's, it's significant that there's no recorded event in the history of Israel during all that time of wondering, 40 years of wondering. For years and years and years, they just walk around in circles and go to funerals, and they didn't accomplish anything of significance. And it became so heavy to Moses. Oh God, give us wisdom. Teach us to number our days. You see, here's the thing about wisdom. Wisdom will not protect you from a wounded life. Don't let anybody try to tell you that it will. Don't let anybody try to tell you that, that somehow wisdom, and if you give your life to Jesus Christ and, and you follow him, that somehow all the pain and the sorrow and the hurt will, will, will go away and you'll never have to deal with it again. Don't, don't let anybody tell you that. Wisdom will not protect you from a wounded life. But here's what wisdom will do. It will protect you from a wasted life. And it starts with a misunderstanding. Look again at verse 12 from a different translation. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. I don't know how many of you play chess. I do enjoy playing chess. I don't get to play uh, a whole lot. or I don't. I guess I could, but I don't, I don't play very much. Part of it's I can't find anybody to play with me because they don't want to lose. They know they're just going to lose. No, that's not really true. But, um, but I do enjoy playing chess when I, when I do get the chance to play. And if you've ever played chess, then, then one of the things that you know is to, to be good at chess, you can't just make moves you know, kind of willy-nilly and, and, and basically reacting to every single thing in the moment that your opponent does. No, to win in chess... You really have to make every move, even before the, the chess game starts thinking it through, you have to make every move with the end in mind. My guess is that many of us have done retirement planning, and that's good. But the better question is, how many of us have done expirement planning? I like what one person said. He said, Christians don't have a death wish, but we do have a death strategy. And realizing that my time is limited ought to be a motivation to me so that every move I make is made with the end in mind. 
And I'm not talking simply about time management. I'm talking about life management because I really want to live the days that I'm alive. And again, this is a liberating reality if it is informed by the possessor of eternality. Where do I go for, for wisdom for how to use my time? Well, if you're, if you're wise and if you're seeking true wisdom, I go to the one who is beyond time, who authored time, who is from everlasting to everlasting. If you want to know how to use your dash well, then you go to the one who doesn't have a, a beginning or an end, who is I am. As David said in Psalm 9, or 39, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire life is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Give me wisdom, God. And when you start to live your life with these missed understandings, there are a couple of priorities that will become indispensable to your life management. Here's the first. When you understand that you are a miss, then you understand that every day, every single day is a gift to receive. Most of us don't like to see money wasted, right? But you see, there's something we waste that's far more precious than money time. We've all heard the phrase time is money, but the reality is that's not really too true. Time is far more precious than money. If you lose money, you can always get more. Now, you may not be able to get all, you know, that you want, but you can always get more, but you can't get more time. I mean, you talk to a person who's at the end of the, their life and you ask them, would you rather have more dollars or more days? You know what their answer would be. Nearly four decades ago, a singer and songwriter by the name of Jim Croce, some of you older folks know exactly who that is, uh, he wrote a song called Time in a Bottle. And here's how it starts. He says, if I could save time in a bottle, the first thing I'd like to do is to save every day till eternity passes away just to spend them with you. But the reality is you don't get to save time. And ironically, just a year, a little over a year after Jim Croce released that song, he died in a plane crash, just 30 years old. Think about this. And I don't want to get morbid on us. I don't want you to think about this in a, in a morbid way, but I do want us to, to think about it. Again, it's not, to, it's not to enslave us or to make us anxious, but it is really to liberate us and to free us. And so think about this. Um, how many of you think this year that somebody is going to die? Right? The reality of that question, the reality of the answer to that question is we all do, right? Someone is going to die this year. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you think you are going to die this year? My guess is that there were far more hands raised on the first question than there were on the second question. You see, I find it interesting that God does not say through Moses, teach us to number our years. You and I, especially as Americans, we count our years. But God says every day counts. Every single day counts. You woke up this morning. By God's grace, you sucked 
air into your lungs. By God's grace, you had the energy, some maybe more than others, but at least you had the energy to roll out of bed, put your feet on the floor, and stand up. God gave you today. Enjoy it. Because you don't know if you'll get to do get a tomorrow. You have today. It is a gift. It is a grace. And so receive it as such. And yet the reality is that far too many of us are wasting today with when and then thinking. When this, when that, when they, then I'll really start living. For some, their favorite day of the week is Sunday. But you know what God's favorite day is? God's favorite day is today. He says it over and over and over again in scripture. Psalm 118 verse 24, this is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day for rejoicing. You, you don't know how long your dash is going to be. You don't know if there will be a tomorrow. And so you have today, if there's any joy in you today, let it out. Today is a good day to rejoice. It's also a good day to repent. Three times the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter three and Hebrews chapter uh, four, three times he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Because you and I all know that there are times in our lives where God speaks to us, he confronts us, and God says, I want this to change in your life. I want you to alter your course and stop going this way and start going this way. And I don't mean next week and I don't mean tomorrow. I mean today because every time you delay obedience, your heart gets a little harder. And so today is the day to obey God. There's no better day than today. And perhaps most importantly, not perhaps, yes, definitely most importantly, today is the day of salvation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and trusted in him for your salvation and been buried with him in baptism, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait another day because you don't know if you have another day. Because the fact is your days are numbered. And so you don't want to waste a single one. I was recently reading a story about a professor who went to speak at this military base and he was picked up at the airport by a soldier named Ralph. And while they were walking to baggage claim to get the professor's luggage, Ralph just kind of kept disappearing and going off and doing different things. He, he stopped to help an old woman whose, excuse me, suitcase had fallen open. He stopped to help a couple of kids who needed help with something. He wandered off to help a, a young couple who were lost and needed some directions. And, and every time he came back, he just had this big smile on his face. And the professor's watching all of this and watching Ralph do all of this. And finally, uh, the, the professor said, Ralph, how did you learn to live life like this? And and Ralph said, Vietnam. During my tour of duty, I was assigned to clear minefields. I watched friends blow up in front of me. You never knew when you picked up your foot and put it down if you'd take another step. And I learned to get the most 
out of every moment between the steps. You see, when you realize that you are just a mist, you will start noticing all those moments each day to live, to laugh, and to love that maybe you missed before. That's why each day it's so important for us that the important must trump the urgent. That each day the important must trump the urgent. Some of you are probably familiar with the old Calvin and Hobbes cartoons. And in one cartoon, Calvin says, God put me on this earth to accomplish a certain number of things. And right now, I'm so far behind, I'll never die. Well, here's the reality. You're not going to be able to accomplish everything that you would like to accomplish in your dash. You're not going to get to do everything that you would like to do in your dash. You're going to have to make some choices. And if you don't make them, life will make them for you. And life will constantly pressure you to respond to the urgent. And you'll get to the important someday. You see, it's so easy for us, so easy for me, to fall into this lifestyle of rushing and hurrying and seeing how busy we can be that we often miss what is most important. But don't let the urgent trump the important because you don't get to save time. Your days are numbered. You get to invest time. And if you don't make the choice, someone or something will make it for you. And so are you living your dash or just dashing through life? Moses says that God, who is from everlasting to everlasting, can give you the wisdom to discern what is really worth your time so that you can really live while you're alive. Think about Jesus. He lived less than half the number of days of the average lifespan. But you never see Jesus in a hurry. He's never too busy for someone. He's never rushing to get one more place. And yet he accomplished everything God wanted him to do. Every single thing. How many of us have said the words, I don't have time. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to do that. We've all said it, right? And yet here's the reality. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. Now, you may not have time to do everything that you want to do, but you have time to do everything that God wants you to do. The truth is we don't need more time. What we need is more wisdom to use our time well. So let me leave you with the prayer that Moses closes his song with in Psalm 90. It's in verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Don't you want to enjoy your days instead of just enduring them? But you know what frustrates our dash perhaps more than anything else? We seek the wrong things for validation. 
As I said last week, we go looking for love, and it include validation in that, in all the wrong places. We think money and success and possessions and accolades and stuff are going to satisfy that ache in our hearts for validation, that hole in our hearts that longs to be filled. But it's God's love, which is forever, from everlasting to everlasting It's his love that we're really looking for. And so why not start each day with the prayer, God, let me today be satisfied with your love for me. That's definitely one thing that should not be missed.